The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors, Vanessa Tyler and Mike Stevens to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. All right, Vanessa and Mike, welcome back to the show. How have you been? Very good. How are you? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, Mike, I heard you chime in too, man. What's going on? (laughs) All good. All right. All right. That's what I like. Okay, we got a lot to get to, so let's get to it. Uh, First things first, there is a new Black member of the U.S. Senate. California Governor Gavin Newsom has chosen LaFonza Butler to replace the late Dianne Feinstein, who passed away at the age of 90. So, Vanessa, let's start with you. Tell us more about the senator. And Mike, will follow up with you uh, to get your thoughts on Governor Gavin Newsom's Senate choice. Wow. LaFonza Butler, a powerhouse, basically. She was the president of Emily's List. That's a position she just resigned from to take this honor. Yeah, yeah. Emily's List, for those who don't know, is an organization that supports Democratic pro-choice women who are running for elected office at all levels. She was also once the head of California's biggest union, SEIU 2015. And let's talk about how deep she is in politics. She was a mm-hmm. senior advisor to VP Kamala Harris in her 2020 campaign, mm-hmm. and she was an advisor to Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. Oh, and she's also a lesbian. So when Governor Newsom appointed her to fill the senator's seat, he said she was the perfect candidate. She ticks all the boxes, especially a time like this, when he also kept his promise because he promised to fill the seat with a black woman. She is the third black woman senator in our entire history of this Mm -hmm. country. Of course, VP Harris was senator and Carolyn Mosley Braun was a senator from Illinois. And lastly, I would say there is some controversy because although, you know, she has not ruled out that she would run for the entire term, this seat um, is of interest to many people, including current Congresswoman Barbara Lee, who is black, and she thought she would kind of fill the seat until the election. So there you have it. (laughs) All right. All right. Mike, let's get your thoughts. 
Yeah, you know, we had the uh, the video of the swearing-in ceremony, and I thought it was interesting that it was Kamala Harris who swore Butler in. And so in that room, there were two of the only three uh, black female U.S. senators that we've had uh, in our in our history. As Vanessa mentioned, Carol Mosley Braun of Illinois was the other one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it'll be interesting to see if Congresswoman Barbara Lee and uh, LaFonza Butler end up going head to head for that seat permanently next year. Sure, sure. You know, the thing that that kind of stood out to me, um, I, I didn't follow this as closely um, prior to it happening. Um, I, there's just a lot going on. But once it happened, I remember hearing that Meghan Markle was in contention for this. And I, it turned out to be, I guess, just a rumor. But man, this makes so much more sense because once LaFonza Butler was sworn in uh, and, you know, the, the dust had settled on this uh you know, Vanessa, I think you pointed out some of the historic elements of um, her, you know, taking this office after Diane Feinstein. And it it feels a little bit more special and a little bit more appropriate given, you know, her history, how deep in into politics she actually is. And that um, Meghan Markle, in hindsight, it should have been it should have, you know, it felt like what, you know, but but now in hindsight, you know, just that kind of being a rumor. Um makes a little bit more sense. Now, again, I don't know how close to true that was, but, you know, obviously it's not fact. So we'll call it a rumor. The other thing is that um, I feel like maybe that had something to do with the pushback from the right um, or maybe just the pushback from the right is just a separate thing entirely, because some of the things that I've seen kind of surrounding this story is that we'll be fair um, and we'll be honest. uh, A lot of the conservative white males you know these guys are still our brothers you know but these this is a particular group as you know have been pushing back at you know the biden administration and even at uh, gavin newsom's uh, recent appointment of lafonza butler saying that these people are prioritizing black women and if i'm honest i kind of like that energy you know what i mean and and it's like it's very easy for these folks to turn a blind eye to the fact that white males have been prioritized for the entirety of this nation's history and recently in the past few years, you know, um, black women have been prioritized uh, and, you know, they don't think it's fair. They don't think that it is true equality. And if I'm going to be honest with them, eh, you know, they're right. It's not equality. What it is is equity. And equity is something that makes up for the difference of, you know, the, the entirety of this nation's history being dominated by white males in politics. Um, so. Uh, I think that this is a fantastic thing. I think that this is the right person. It's a given, you know, her her history in this arena. And I'm really excited to see what comes of her time in the Senate. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> the House. Uh, the House and the roof are on fire for the Republican members of Congress. Uh, this week, Republican Kevin McCarthy was voted out as Speaker of the House by his own party and the Democrats. Uh, Mike, this time, let's start with you. Give us the latest on this story, and then Vanessa will hear your thoughts as well about all the inner turmoil within the Republican Party. Yeah, this was the uh, latest drama in Washington. Pretty big deal, pretty big deal, too. Sure, sure. Uh, First time a House speaker has been ousted by his own party. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was just a handful of the Republicans that did not like him. And and, and one of the things they complained about was he was working with Democrats to pass that continuing resolution bill, mm-hmm. which kept the government running yeah. uh, a few weeks ago. 
And so they were, it was like, I think it was like eight of them who got him kicked out. Most of the, his party did support him. Democrats, including uh, African-American Hakeem Jeffries, could have saved his job, but they refused to mm-hmm. have their own reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, while they work to elect a new speaker, I am wondering if all this might somehow help Hakeem Jeffries to become the next speaker, or maybe there is some sort of power sharing agreement they could come up with. Mm-hmm. All it would take would would be just a handful of moderate Republicans to support him. I, I guess you're not wrong there. Uh, Vanessa, let's get your thoughts. Well, my thought is this, why the Democrats didn't come to his aid? Well, mm-hmm. one of the reasons is because the Democrats did help him avoid the government shutdown. Mm-hmm. And then he went on um, national media saying that it was the Republican, you know, being, you know, saying that it was the Republicans who actually did it. And it wasn't um, the Democrats helping McCarthy, which avoided the shut. So the Democrats like, you know, this guy, after all we've done to save the government and save his job, you know, at this time, he's going to turn on us. How can we ever trust him? So they just left him out to dry. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting that a lot of people are now blaming Democrats for what happened and blaming Democrats for the. So also they have this um, interim speaker, Patrick McHenry. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of comical is that his first daughter of business <laughs> was to remove Nancy Pelosi out of her suite of offices. Yeah. So, you know, it's basically a mess. Yeah. To be yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Continued to, to be so. Yeah. Oh, they, can I just say this part? Yeah. Yeah. Please. As they're, as, <laughs> as they're deciding who could be the next speaker, guess whose name is floating about? Oh, yes. Go ahead. Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And people are excited about that, how that would happen or if it would happen. There was a response from the ex-president in which he says, well, if I can help, I would. And he said, but, you know, I'm kind of busy running for president, but if I can help out, I would. So in other words, he didn't say absolutely not. That's a crazy idea. He said he's kind of leaving the door open for that. He's also kind of busy going to court. Yeah, just I mean, oh, yeah, between the court dates. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's going through it all right now. And, you know, honestly, this would make him the third most powerful person in the country um, or at least third in line to the most powerful uh, person in the country. So or I guess that would be technically second in line. Yeah. So um, I know that he likes power, so uh, wouldn't surprise me. You know, the thing about this whole thing, though, that. Um, is strange is from what I've been reading and and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the order to stall the 45 day bill came from Donald Trump so that they could blame Biden when the government actually ended up shutting down. But McCarthy ended up getting it done anyway. But Donald Trump was the person who actually initially wanted uh, the government shut down so that they could rally you know, Republicans and conservatives to blame Biden that he couldn't even keep the government open. That was the that was the play. Right. And McCarthy ended up doing right by, I guess, the American people and keeping the government moving and the government employees and so forth. Um, But obviously, Republicans didn't like that. Um, And then the Democrats didn't like the fact that he was blaming he or he was uh, accepting credit for this. on behalf of the Republicans when it was the Democrats that were doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. Um, and you know, the crazy thing about this whole tactic is that these are the same people that 
were upset about protesters shutting down traffic, you know, back in 2020. You know, that was, you know, that's where I come from, right? The same people that were upset about people shutting down traffic, but these same folks were willing to shut down the entire government. Yeah, funding border control. You see what I mean? You see what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, another thing here, uh, Senator Tim Scott, funnily enough, uh, is, is on record as saying, you strike, you're fired. And so this is effectively a strike or an attempted strike here. Um, so, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of that, you know, let's live by the code that we are, are purported to stand by, you know, that we're, we're suggesting that we live by. This is not happening in practice and, and we're the party of the working people. Right. So I see a little bit of a, a disconnect there from what it is that they say and what it is that they do, um, which is true on both sides. But in the past few years, I've seen a lot of it from, you know, our conservative brothers and sisters. And, and another thing about this, 12 of the fact the last 15 government sh- shutdowns were under a Republican president. And all 15 of the last government shutdowns were while the Republicans controlled the House. So blaming Biden and the Democrats, which is what they're doing right now um, for everything. But blaming Biden would have been a wild move anyway. You know, this is this is something that is part and parcel to, um, you know, it wasn't checked initially. So now it's strategy. You know, it's a, it's a part of the conservative strategy. Like I said, all 15 <laughs> of the last <laughs> government shutdowns. Uh, in the United States of America was when the, the when the Republicans controlled the House. And then again, 12 of the last 15 was when they had a, a Republican president as well. So um, and then just so you know, some of the things that were on the chopping block is Republicans wanted to cut fun- funds to schools, uh, veterans, seniors, food programs, and basically the poorest and the most vulnerable of Americans. Um, but the amount of money that was available collectively represented the smallest part of our budget. And the truth of the matter is that taxing the wealthy and and the rich corporations and basically getting everyone to pay their fair share is where the surplus is. And so the governments were kind of entrenched in that that old school mindset of like, let's make sure that rich people are free to, you know, stimulate the economy and create more jobs and so forth. And, you know, the the kind of myths that prop up triple, trickle down economics, which, as we've seen over the entirety of this campaign has not been effective whatsoever uh, since it was introduced, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 years ago, there's no credible evidence to support that this type of taxation works whatsoever. And whenever we've seen budget surpluses um, and we've seen the national deficit decrease, those have always been under democratic leadership. And so Republican policies don't work. Democratic policies work somewhat and this whole maneuver is political theater and they're trying to shift the optics. And so here we are. Yeah, politics, I, I just say just politics in general is a rough and tumble game. And these people on all sides going back, I guess, forever will say and do whatever they want to do. That's going to further their, you know, their agenda for that moment. And they may switch it up the next time. Just throwing that in. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest 
Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com BIN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Black Information Network news anchors Vanessa Tyler and Mike Stevens are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right. In Minnesota, a new bill was recently introduced by Congresswoman Ilhan Omar called the Brittany Clardy Act. And many people see this bill as a positive move in support of black women. Vanessa, you recently had a chance to speak with Representative Omar about the bill. Why don't you tell us more about your conversation with her? Yes, yes. Well, Brittany Clardy was from the Congresswoman's um, home state of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. She was an 18-year-old Black young woman who went missing back in 2013. Apparently, she had fallen into prostitution, and a man who was serving 40 years violently beat her to death. Mm -hmm. Apparently, when her parents went for help to find her, and we've heard this before, um, there was not the urgency to help them to find her. Um, you know, there's always the skepticism, of, you know, whether there's some criminal element and, you know, did was she responsible for her, mm-hmm. her disappearance? Did she run away? What, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. What this act does is make sure the black 
murdered and missing women are a priority with a new federal office for missing and murdered black women and girls. Just some stats in, in Minnesota, black women make up 7% of the population, the congressman told me, but 40% of the domestic violence victims and three times are likely to be murdered than white women. Mm. So this puts out there that, you know, black women who are missing are a priority and that something needs to be done and that police need to step up and the federal government will push that and back that up. Mm. All right, Mike, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, just another figure over the last five years, um, black women accounted for, um, some say 40% of the missing persons cases. Wow. For whatever reason, it seems like the police and the media just don't pursue those cases the same way they do for white women. Yeah. Perhaps the bill will change things. Uh, Vanessa and I were just talking the other day about a story we were doing in New York State uh, recently, last week, I believe it was, when um, a little uh, white girl was missing on a family outing. And the governor jumped in and said, we've got to find this girl and get all resources together. And they did. And that's great. I, I mean, I applaud their efforts, but the hope is that they will apply that kind of those kind of resources evenly for missing black women and girls. Sure. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, thank God that child was found safe. That's almost a miracle. She was found in a, a cabinet in someone's cabin. But as Mike is saying, you know, the same thing, the same urgency, the same news conferences, the same, you know, show of police power need to be done for all children and exactly. all all people, all women, and especially black women who are certainly not uh, not taken as seriously. Yeah. You know, something funny is that um, this very show that we're on right now, uh, Mike, to your point, uh, this show began with the topic missing while black. And this was during. Um, the the five alarm fire that took place for the search for um i forget gabby her name petito. gabby petito yeah that's her yeah and so that was the first episode that we recorded because not because we were trying to say that too much was being done for her but we had a great opportunity to show that here is this young white blonde woman Mm -hmm. And here's the amount of resources that are available for her. And here's 30,000 black women, indigenous women. That's a big one too. Hispanic women, you know, women of color. Let's be, let's be, you know, inclusive here. And we haven't, we've never seen this for any of these 30,000 people here. Here's your, here's your hypocrisy. You know, here's how it looks. And um, so this has always been something that's kind of been very special because I remember putting all the work into this and coming to those sobering statistics, uh, you know, one of which you just dropped again today, Mike. And so it's 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 if we don't tell these stories, then they don't get told. And so I've tried my best to kind of keep that passion and infuse that passion, not just into these episodes, but into every episode that I've done here. Um, Can and, I say something uh, quick about Gary Petito's parents? They are also very active in the fact of the uneven coverage. Mm. So um, they have been speaking out saying right. that they too agree that, yeah. you know, although they're grateful for what was done uh, for their daughter, unfortunately it didn't turn out uh, that she's alive, but they are also been speaking out about how it should be done for all women. Fantastic. I, I want to look into that a little bit more because I think that that, 
I, I, I think that it's important to highlight white people that really position themselves as allies um, because I think that it inspires potentially other allies. So I'm definitely going to look into that. I want to, before we move on, I want to uh, make sure that I uh, read this quote from Representative Omar. She said, the crisis of missing and murdered black women and girls demands urgent attention. Sorry, de- demands urgent action. Uh, this is not just a piece of legislation. It's a beacon of hope for black women and girls across the nation. By creating a dedicated office, we are not only addressing the alarming disparities in violence, but also reaffirming our commitment to ensuring that every black life is valued and protected. And I think that that is a, just a fantastic way of summarizing this effort. So, um, you know, my hat's off to her and uh, can't wait to see what the results are. Finally, uh Jacksonville, Florida (laughs) is back in the news again after body cam footage of a rough arrest involving a 24-year-old black man went viral. Uh, The video has sparked outrage from the black community and now the victim's mother is calling for justice for her son. Mike, give us the latest on this story and then Vanessa will come to you next. Yeah, you know, if you think back to the George Floyd murder, all eyes were glued to the set. The video was very clear as to what was going on. In this case, the conservative black sheriff in Jacksonville says that that viral video showing the man um, who was arrested, Lakian Woods, with two black eyes, a bloodied face in really bad shape. He says it was altered. Not sure if that is true or not. They'll investigate. But the video that we've seen that went viral does show him lying on his stomach with his hands seem like they were handcuffed behind his back. Mm -hmm. And the cops picked him up slammed him slammed him on the ground dropped him on his face mm-hmm. and um you know i i'm not sure there's a, there's any justification for that yeah. whether he was fighting them at one point video shows him running away at that point he's helpless mm-hmm. and um according to the police report one detective hit him five times in the face once in the ribs another need him four times in the ribs in the face and there, you know, were at least three or four of these guys, these officers, uh, looks like two or three were white. One was black. Um, but that just seems like excessive force. You know, this happened during a traffic stop, which often is where these um, cases begin. Um, they did release body camera footage, or should I say some of the body camera footage? But it's really hard to, you know, get a true determination of what's happening based on that limited footage that they, that they released. In fact, if you think back to the Tyree Nichols case, they showed body camera footage of him, him being beaten by the officers. But what we, when we really saw the abuse, it was with the camera that was yeah, elevated. cameras on the light. Yeah. Yes. And so you could get a, a, a better perspective of what was really happening. So, uh, a, they, the family and their lawyers are calling for a federal investigation, and I'm sure they would like to see all the footage released on this latest case of a black man being beaten severely by police. Sure. Vanessa, your thoughts? Seatbelt violation? This kid's face was so bad, even his own mother had to do a double take. In fact, in one of her sound bites, she said she felt like Mamie Till. Um, that's how bad he looked. We still don't know how in the world this could be justified. It just doesn't make sense. And, you know, again, we talk about George Floyd. One of the takeaways from George George Floyd was that if there is one officer who is going overboard, it is incumbent upon the others to stop him. That was not done. So 
if there are any charges, they're all going to go down. And I don't understand why cops just don't understand this. Stop your colleagues when you see it's excessive. And that clearly was excessive because he was on the ground. It did appear that his hands were cuffed behind him and they're taking his face and they're smashing it into the pavement. You know, I have a a post on my social media um, and it's a a collage of quote unquote good officers, officers that intervened, um, officers that tried to call attention to police corruption, police injustice, police violence, um, police cover-ups, so forth and so on. And um, each of the stories ends up showing what happened to the officers. Some of them killed themselves, quote unquote. Some of them were fired, of course. Some of them were, you know, whatever. They were demonized and villainized by the department. So rather than making the department better, they were outcast. And uh, the department continued with that kind of bullying culture. Um, let's, Let's add to this that a lot of times police recruitment tactics really appeal to people that are their personality is kind of predisposed to kind of the more of like the bully aggressive sorts of individuals um, who really like this sort of stuff. They like the idea of fighting. They like the idea of punching, kicking, harming, hurting people. Um, I don't want to paint with too broad a strokes here because I recognize that uh, many police do the job and, and they do a fine job, but police culture by and large is very, very toxic. And it is very difficult to change it because police culture is so protected and so well insulated. Uh, In fact, um, the only time we really know uh, of police corruption (laughs) is when there's a video from from a bystander. So it kind of leads you to wonder how often do these things happen and we don't know about it. Well, if we look at the data, um, it gives you some idea that uh, this happens a lot more frequently than videos would suggest. And it happens more particularly to those of us who are vulnerable. Um, We have a criminal justice in the system that quote Brian Stevenson from the Equal Justice Initiative that treats you much better if you are rich and guilty than if you are poor and innocent. And the fact of the matter is that poverty runs right along that color line. So for those of us with a little bit more color, um, we get treated a lot worse at every step of the way along the criminal justice system. This is just today's example. Um, on Civic Cipher, my radio show, I cover this sort of stuff all the time. So much so that um, I didn't even watch this video. Um, my my co-host Q Ward and I, we take turns watching the video so that we don't become desensitized to anti-Black violence. This is something that we built into the program to our process very early on. So I'll, t- I'll watch a video, he'll watch a video, but I don't want to see three, four videos each week of people getting their head blown off, black people, because if I'm honest, I'll just cry. <clears throat> um, and I've, I've kind of had those moments, many of them over the, over the years. Uh, it's, it becomes overwhelming. And so, um, you know, I, I did see the clip of the video just because it's on social media where they slammed him on the ground i'm sure what they'll say is well even though he was handcuffed and his hands were behind his back he pinched my finger and i felt like he was going to break my finger and blah 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 because that's the part of the video that's obscured so typically this is and and i know police tactics that's what they'll say and if it's even remotely plausible then they'll get the full weight 
of that as a defense and then you know no action here no corrective action nothing no charges filed and then they're free to do it again which they based on the data absolutely will i do want to be fair so i have to read these quotes here from both sides let's do that um quote based on the currently available information the agency believes that the involved detectives acted appropriately with respect to the law and jacksonville sheriff's office policy uh, and this comes from sheriff or sorry chief of professional standards mike shell uh, and he said that in a, in a news briefing um, and then another quote from their lawyer uh the pre from the from the lawyer of the victim here uh, the previously released video shows uniformed and plainclothes officers repeatedly assaulting Lloyds, striking him and slamming his head into the ground even after he was handcuffed. The kind of unrestrained violence depicted in the video is absolutely unexpected. And this comes from, again, their lawyer, Harry Daniels, and he uh, said that on social media. So um, that's the journalistic part of it. I've said both sides. Um, and, you know, I guess I, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, with that in mind, I'd like to thank you both. Uh, as always, very much for your contributions to today's episode. There's a lot of heavy stuff on this in this program, um, and and obviously on on the radio too that you guys cover. And you guys always handle it with poise and with grace. And I appreciate you um, just kind of helping me out with these with these subjects every so often. So once again, today's guests are Black Information Network news anchors Vanessa Tyler and Mike Stevens. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. And I'll be hosting another episode of Civic Cipher this weekend on a station near you. For stations, showtimes, and podcast info, check civiccipher.com. And join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective right here on the Black Information Network daily podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.